Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Welcome to the show. I am your host of the show. My name is David. Welcome to 94.9 here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, everybody. You guys don't like my radio voice? Reverse. I always wanted to be that disc jockey who's like, Hi, my name is David. Welcome to 94.9 and Salt Lake's finest radio station coming brought to you by Tide Pods. (laughs) It's pretty good. You've got that down. Well, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I'm, I'm a little cray cray, <laughs> well, crazy. Then right let's now. then let's just let's just go crazy. Just jump right into it. Let's, I'm David, and I'm Heidi, and together. And this is your morning show. <laughs> this is your morning show that we're recording late at night. Um, welcome to the podcast, and we're so happy to have you with us as always. And we got some uh, cool stuff that we want to talk to all of you, lovely listeners today. Got some questions to answer at the very end. As we promised last time, we're going to try to give some rapid-fire questions. So we weren't really sure what we're going to do after we ditched the DMs, because the DMs were just too painstaking. And then we had this amazing epiphany last week that why don't we just answer a bunch of questions that we got a couple weeks ago from our Don't Freak Out event really fast. And at first, I thought people cannot handle that information really fast. Everyone's always telling me, slow down, David. I have to rewind what you said. It happened too fast. (laughs) Or the other options, we just don't answer questions. Turns out we got some positive feedback, so I think we're going to roll with it. What do you think, Heidi? I think it's a good idea. I think that it's always interesting how much you can learn from somebody else's question. And so, plus there's like all the people who they have questions, they don't know how to phrase it, or they don't want anyone to know they have that question or whatever else. And so um, this is this has opened up some cans of worms that I think um, are good topics to talk about so it's a good thing this is a good thing well before we get into um a topic that i had in my mind and answering some questions we just got to give a big shout out to all of our attendees all of our fellow light the fighters that came to our parenting 19.0 aka how to be an influencer in your life and your relationships all the people came out to our event this weekend great job great job team And thank you for not making me cry this weekend. And thank you for everybody not being open and honest with your emotions. It's opposite day. It's opposite day. Yeah, it's opposite day. It was quite the opposite. Heidi played a trick on me. Okay, guys? I'm still... I'm... I'm not good enough to be intentional on this trick, so I don't no, know. No, no. No, I agree. Like, you, you, you didn't do it on purpose, but you did it. So what happened is we're talking about our event and, you know, sometimes we talk about feelings at our events, just like on our podcast. And all of a sudden after a break, things got really deep. We came in from a break and I thought we're just going to start talking about the parenting, the family business and all these concepts. And Heidi just threw me in the deep end. She started saying some stuff. What she did. So if you guys, if we were to record that event, you would have saw role reversal. Heidi was the shame trigger and I was the shame feeler. And I had a lot of resistance. I think my exact words were I wanted to get up and leave the room. I would have died if you would have walked out. Well, I did walk out like in my mind. I got up and left the room. I wanted to. But I just used the restroom. If it wasn't right after a break, I could have said, hey, I got to go to the restroom really quick. And then went out and cried in the fetal position in the men's bathroom, which probably isn't a good idea because sometimes men don't hit the toilet so well. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) Point is, it wouldn't have been that great for me to leave right after a break. I'm glad I didn't. I shared some very personal feelings and some some thoughts I had, but it wasn't even all about me. You went first. You did everything that you've learned and everything that you've been practicing. And it just so happened to make me feel not so good. But I'm glad I talked about it. 
because it was it was rough. It was really rough for both of us in different ways, you know. But you know what was really amazing about it for the people who were there, because your feelings and what you shared were not new, um, to me. Like, and and just to kind of, just so that people are like, what are they talking about? Because we're being a little vague. Um, I was talking about right, right, kind of up about Corey's suicide and um and I the point I was trying to make is that you just kind of you never know where people are at and um you said it in a way that you've never said it before though I don't even remember how I said it it was definitely different because it made me feel something different anyways go ahead um but what people got to see was exactly what you try to teach. And so it was like the ultimate modeling situation. And um, there was, there was actually some people there that weren't just parents. There were people there that were healthcare professionals that, that were there and it really made an impact on people who feel like they're always the one with the answers and always the one that's helping people. And, you know, we talk about this actually with first responders. We have this, you know, we, and, and hopefully you've been a listener here at the podcast enough to know how we, we talk about how important it is to stay calm, right? And it's interesting because I was... I was sharing this, my own epiphany about being a first responder with a police officer. And he said, you know what's interesting about that is that I can stay completely calm when something's going down, when I'm on duty, and then I go into my house and I absolutely lose it. And, and so I think that like for you, David, this is your profession, right? You do this all the time. For that police officer, he does that all the time. But then we can't forget that you're a person too. And that police officer is a person too. And that things hit you sideways too, just like they hit me sideways. And I, and I think I even pointed out at the workshop, I said, you know, I think that there is a place in our brain where we process our own emotions and we feel our own emotions. And then there's this different place in our brain in a completely opposite side of our brain where we process other people's feelings. And it's crazy how we can see their problems so clear. We can tell them exactly what they should do and we, and we, can, and, and we can give them advice. But then when we're in that situation, we're muddled and confused, right? Um, you know, David related about... Um, after Corey passed away, it made him question. And it made him doubt himself. And never once did I doubt David. Never once did I say, you let me down. David did a great job doing that to himself. But also, as the mom and the one that was struggling on my own, I didn't know that David was feeling those feelings until he shared that with me. And David went from being the all-knowing, smooth-talking solution guy to being an actual human. And... That's what the people at the workshop got to see. And I'm sorry that I <laughs> took your shame. <laughs> and I'm not trying to do that right now either. Oh, no, I was shaking. <laughs> like I was, I, I couldn't even like lift my head up. I was just staring at the carpet. And I, yeah, it was, it was a trip. It was, uh, it was real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I think I even told people, you know, if you're sitting here and you don't believe anything I'm saying, 
Yeah. Go yeah. home. Go. You did, he I'm, did. I'm like, I don't even know what I said. I was like, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying right now. It, yeah. I, I don't really know exactly what I said, but no one got up and left. Fortunately, they already paid and they're already halfway through the day. So we wouldn't have refunded you anyways. <laughs> Point is, uh, nobody did. I don't think we lost. I don't think I lost anyone's confidence. Um, yeah. I just, I think you put it well. I mean, you put it very well. It's like, even when I cry, I mean, I cry all the time throughout the week. And you guys get to listen to me talk about stuff and give, like Heidi said, give solutions. Um, people like Heidi and, you know, my clients or my people I coach, whatever it is, I cry lots, like, with them. Um, it's it's just different when it's really personal and intimate, you know, in those moments. But not usually do I feel shame when I'm with them. Because um, I just don't have anything to feel ashamed for because it's their hurt and pain that I'm crying with them. So this was definitely unique and different. And um, I definitely modeled because after that, the next day, everybody else cried too. So, hey, <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Hey, you started out the next day with crying anyway. <laughs> that's so you true. you set that's the true. stage too. That's true. <laughs> so enough about me. Let's talk about a story that Heidi shared during the event because uh, – we went from uh, talking about my shame. Let, let's just jump right into. So first of all, let's you go guys, back to the familiar territory. Talking about Heidi's shame, first right? Of all, yeah, let's. Like, I'm not comfortable talking about me <laughs> crying for too long. I'm a man. <laughs> I can. I can fix my car. Don't, have you heard some little whispering in the background? Our producer said when I said I'm a man, he said, "But you can't even fix your car." Listen, YouTube teaches me everything I need to know. That's right. Okay. And if YouTube can't do it, then Paul, my mechanic, he, he does it for me. <laughs> so, um, no, but funny, best highlight for me for the whole entire event, Heidi shared a story that she'd never shared before. And we may not... And now we, I totally we, regret Oh, no, it's, it's going... It, trust me, guys. Okay, for those of you that have virgin ears, please uh, go listen to another podcast right now and come back in about five, ten minutes because... We're about to share a story with you. When I say virgin ears, I mean, it's, this isn't a story about sexuality. Um, it just sounds like it. Um, so I'm going to let Heidi tell the story. But we are in the process of making brand new bracelets and t-shirts based upon no, the story. And we Heidi thought we were joking. I'm not. No, no I, we are not. Hey, I got access to the bank account. I have to have your permission. We're just going to do it. We're just going to charge it and... All your creative people, they're on our side anyway. So the people that you would normally have make this, I'm just going to go around you and they're going to do it for us. So why don't, okay, I'm going to set it up and make Heidi tell a story. If if you had to tell me crying in front of everybody about I'm a horrible counselor and I told everybody to go home because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I get to talk about this. So we're sitting there talking, Lala. And for I all don't the years even know I've, why, this brought, why I brought this up. I'm so glad you did. For all the years <laughs> I've known you, I've never heard this story. In fact, I need to talk to the kids about this one because this one is worth getting lots of info on. So here's what happened. Kids are younger, living in Arizona at the time, right? Yeah. You're in Arizona at the time. Oh, we were talking about the whole concept of not freaking out. And Heidi was trying to relate to everybody. She goes, yeah, this one time I freaked out really bad. In fact, it's just really big story in our family. So I'm just sitting here, la la, I've, you know, I've heard plenty of stories of Heidi freaking out. So this, I didn't, I didn't expect anything to shock me. Was uh, I wrong? So Heidi, why don't you pick oh it up there? Gosh. Your kids, little young, innocent kids that did not deserve for their mom to exhibit this type of behavior. Go ahead, pick it up from there. You know, I, I honestly don't. don't preface it. Just say it. And then we get to talk about it. Okay. I'm going to set the stage. I was tired. <laughs> okay, can't make it. Wait, excuse. freaking out, you're tired. Isn't that kind of like the prerequisite? Isn't that like the number one totally. ingredient? That's I'm like the sh- chocolate sure chip I was for the cookies. Hungry. I was I was tired. I was emotional. You know, who knows? Um, you're in Arizona. It's probably 120 degrees. So Eric was out of the country. My sister was staying with us. Colton has since I went back and asked him how old he was. He like remembers down to the day, minute, second. He was traumatized for life. He was traumatized for life. So Colton is nine years old and he's kind of at the height of his basketball career. Second grade. Just in love with basketball. Loves basketball. And um, 
you know, our entire first floor of our house was tile. And so we also had these big tall ceilings in this particular house. And so when you'd bounce the ball. Well, every house in Arizona has to have tiles. It's too dang hot. Right. It's true. It's true. And so Colton was even like, oh, man, that was the best floor for bouncing balls and for skateboarding in the house and for scootering. I mean, my kids just <laughs> obviously whatever, lack of bounce the balls. And I would tell the kids all the time, please don't bounce the balls in the house. Please don't bounce the balls in the house. And I'm pretty sure, and I don't know this for sure, but I think that Capri had just been born. And I think that that's why the ball bouncing was in particular annoyance, um, because the baby. But I can all I can remember is I was I was trying to do something, and I had said I remember that I had said multiple times, "Please don't bounce the balls in the house." Calmly, very calmly, and yet there was no stopping of the ball bouncing in the house. And I looked at Colton and Corey and I said, if you bounce the ball in the house one more time, I will stab every ball that we own. And sure enough, those little fetchers bounce the ball in the house again. And I walked into the kitchen and I grabbed the biggest knife in our little knife set and I held it the way a mass murderer would hold a knife with my fist. And I stood in front of my kids and with gritted teeth, I just stabbed every ball that I could find. And I'm pretty sure there was like 20 balls. And my kids were so scared and so, <laughs> so absolutely mortified. And they didn't have, like, dad wasn't there. Like, they didn't have any backup, right? Yes, I'm not looking her in the eyes right now because I'm trying not to laugh or shit. You have to see when she told the story. In the middle of the crowd, I'm like sitting there, yeah, I just tell another freak out story. There's pl plenty of those to go around. And then she starts doing the stabbing. And then I start stabbing the ball. And Heidi's <laughs> flip bang. All you see is this blonde bang flipping up and down. And I swear she time warped back to the moment like she's reliving it. And she was doing the stabbing motion. Everyone in the room was just dying laughing. <laughs> Because the intensity that she was showing, <laughs> no one doubted for one second that that wasn't a true story. There was something about oh, you, you, not like the, gosh. not that, that murder stab, but it was like the anger of like 10 generations. You just felt like all your ancestors and everybody that was oppressed in your family and every baby that had ever been woken up from a nap in your whole entire life, it like all came out in that oh. one stabbing ball incident. You guys, it was bad. You know, there was an other option, just throwing balls away. You know, stuff I could have like put them all like in a black all, bag, yeah, and I could have like duct taped them, taken down, took down the Salvation Army, given to you know kids that didn't have balls. But one no, destroying the balls, the balls were obviously one the of move the balls at the was a brand new ball. That was the ball. That was that was the one you're looking for. That was the ball. And so, okay, luckily so, for your kids, they didn't try to defend any of the balls. <sighs> That's true. No, <laughs> they got out of my way, and I didn't see them for hours. Like they were, they were out, and. I felt terrible. I felt, I mean, the look on their face. Oh, you know what we were talking about was, do you know what you look like? That's what it was. Do, and I was saying, I am so glad there's no video. Yeah. Right? Um, so later that night, we went out to dinner after the workshop, and I, like, needed some comfort food. And so we went to get Thai food, which is my favorite. And I asked Colton if he remembered this story, and he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember this so vividly. And we're with another friend, and, and this friend says, so Colton, what did you think when your mom had stabbed all the balls? And Colton's like, I thought I was living with a monster. 
Well, I can see why now, like, oh my god, there's a certain there's a certain look that you give Colton, and he just submits. It's probably <laughs> from that nine year old experience right there. It's like he can only push you so far, but when you give him the stab the ball look. So just so you guys know, we're going to be having, because everybody's been liking our don't freak out, you know, our wristbands. The next wristband's coming out is don't stab the balls. No, okay. No, so here what, here's after that, <laughs> like joking. after I shared that, then the moms at the workshop started saying, well, there was this one time where, you know, like, so you guys ba- back me up yeah. somehow, somewhere, send me your ultimate Stab the balls. Out, stab the balls moment because, I mean, there was one guy and and we won't rat him out, but p- apparently there was an Xbox that got shattered. Yeah, this is at the workshop. People started having confetti. The good thing about it is I modeled how to feel like dog doo doo, <laughs> and you modeled that freaking out and stabbing balls is you know it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It does mean you're a bad person, but just a you bad know, parent. <laughs> and you know, so this is why. You guys, this these types of freaking out moments that can happen when you're frazzled, when you're tired, when I think that I can bet, I don't remember exactly, but I bet you that there was a lack of self-care happening. <laughs> um, I think we should do a giveaway for some, for some don't stab the ball moments if they message in. What do you think about this, Heidi? I would love it. I really need some reassurance that I am not the only one. I have never pulled over and made my kid get out and actually drive away. I mean, I have done the pulling over and say, you want me to leave you right here on the side of the road right now? Because I will. But I've never actually made my kid get out. I've heard people that have. Okay. So if you guys are out there, I would, you know, what's even be better is we'll give things away. But what if everyone messages them, never done anything like that before? That almost would even be better if no one could relate. <laughs> We know you're out there, so we'll we'll, we'll think of a giveaway. Maybe well, I, I got a couple ideas. We'll talk about. So when we post this episode, it's going to be called "Don't Stab the Balls." I can tell you oh, that right now. That's my that's gosh. that's label this episode. There's there's no other. There's nothing else that we can call this episode. Please send in your messages to this episode of your "Don't Stab the Balls" moment. I. I know like local radio shows will do this in the morning. It's like, hey, like, what was your, you know, and they'll tell a story or whatever. So this is our version of, hey, the Heidi and David radio show, don't stab the balls moment <laughs> brought to you by. <laughs> by staying calm. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking, you know, brought to you by like Cutco or Ginsu <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys, that. Yeah, so that was kind of like the ultimate confession for me. Um, I didn't realize I was giving David such powerful material on me and such. And hey, we're modeling for people. Such, you're just telling um, people you're coming to the seminar so that you can learn to not stab the balls. I mean, just so you know, my freak out moments go like way, they're deep. They're deep, which is why it's so hard to change your behavior sometimes. You know, and, you know, I, I think everybody can learn from this experience. And the metaphor is don't stab the balls. And the literal is don't actually take a knife and stab anything at your house. Because <laughs> you might be modeling for your kids that that behavior is normal. So I did feel horrible. And I did tell my kids I was sorry. And I did take them that night to Target. And we did get everybody got a new ball. <laughs> and they did not. So it was bounce, a relationship building. They did not bounce the balls in the house. That well, was, of course they didn't. You <laughs> scared the Wait a second. This is like in the eighties. There's no child protective uh, and, services. And I don't think they there's been the any island. bouncing of the balls in the house ever again. This was out so. in the middle of the desert in Arizona. They not only now they have to worry about not getting stabbed by their mom, <laughs> rattlesnakes, and scorpions. Not just like, yeah, like now they have multiple things. Oh so. my gosh, you guys really have the dirt on me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to that story as we did. We we're, we're the rest of the seminar. It was the don't stab the ball jokes left and right. It really it was. was. Uh, it was. It was. It was a fun, uplifting. Thank you for telling us that story to enlighten all of us because <laughs> we were talking about some heavy, deep stuff, and so that was a good comic relief. You got it, everybody. You got to laugh. To keep from crying. Yeah. Do you got to laugh to keep from crying? Um, one thing that I wanted to share, and uh, 
for those of you who, who didn't see our, our post today, I just want to touch upon it. Um, and, and this is my, it's not my don't stab the ball moment. I can't one-up you on that one. But it was a very tender moment that yeah. I actually I, we can all relate to. Yeah, so I so so this past week, um, I didn't talk about this on the last podcast, did I? No, because no, this happened but you after. Did, you did share this at the workshop. Oh, that's what it was. I'm like, I feel like I've said this before. So uh, this past week, um, I went on this thing local. Uh, the news called uh, it's not the news; it's the news station channel five. It's called Studio Five. Heidi's a you know a, a famous person there. I always joke around. I go. They there. only let me make cute stuff. They don't ask me parenting questions, which is a which obviously is a good thing. They're smart. Well, I think it has something to do with like they're supposed to have like licensed professionals on there. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, they, they're sitting there listening, going, "Oh, we're so glad we didn't have that her was on close. About this. We Ooh, close call. <laughs> she might have been like, "Hey, if they don't listen to you, stab the balls <laughs> or stab the Xbox, whatever." <clears throat> no, so they, they just they're kind enough. They're good people down there. In fact, they're all friends with Heidi. I'm I'm Heidi's podcast partner when I come down there. They're like, what's your name, by the way? I've only been there like six times. And they're now starting to call me Daniel, which is close enough to David. Point is, um, we're on there and they said, hey, we want you to share some things specifically in, in the spirit of, you know, Valentine's, how to show your kids you love them. Well, I just gave an example of like vulnerability, like we always talk about. You can report, you can tell people how to be vulnerable, or sometimes you just need to do it or like share vulnerability is different than just talking about it. And so the the suggestion, one of the suggestions I gave with younger kids is I talked about our, our kids are in, in competition with our cell phones. And by the way, this is very, very true. It's not just our kids. It's also our spouses. Yeah. Our spouses, <laughs> our kids, our jobs sometimes are in competition with our cell phones. Point is, um, I started off with sharing an example that happened the week prior where, you know, I'm, hey, I'm the therapist guy. I'm the guy that's giving all this advice, right? Well, I had to learn a very hard lesson. So what happened was um, my son and I have this thing ever since he's little. It's meant a lot to me. I just my daughter, I call her my best buddy and my son is my best friend. And so I've always been telling him, love you, best friend, oh, best friend. He, he looks at me when he's about to go to sleep. So I tell him, I love you, best friend. He goes, best friend. And he smiles. He loves, says, love you too, dad. Well, lately I've been noticing randomly instead of in the morning or at night when he normally says it to me when it's all cute and during when he's like a tornado during the day, he'll stop doing something and come up to me and he'll like, dad, he goes, um, you know, he'll, he'll like look at me and he'll say, do you love me? I'm like, well, yeah, of course I love you. And he's like, best friend. I'm like, oh, so sweet. And he kept on doing it on and on. I'm like, he would go out of his way because I didn't give this much detail when I was on, on the show. He'd go out of his way, be in the middle of playing and come and stop and run up to me because I'm sitting on the couch, whatever, and he kept on saying, Dad, I love you, best friend. I was like, oh, so cute. And then I kept, some started to go, wait a second. Every time he says this, he wants my attention. And every time he runs up to me, I'm on my phone. So I looked at him and I said, Tavita, that's his name. I said, Tavita, I said, are, are you trying to tell Dad something? Like, you know, why are you asking Dad, you, do you love him? Do I love you? And I'm best friend or... Are, are you thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm not paying attention to you? And his response was, you love your phone more than me. Oh, man. It was. And he's little. Oh, he's four years old. And I just, I remember just putting my, you know, like the emoji that you send in Texas where the head, the face slap. <clears throat> I literally did that, but I just started crying. It was just, uh, it was weird. I, I'm having a hard, I, I don't even know how to explain it. And I just sat there and I looked at him and I just dropped my phone. I didn't put it down. I dropped my phone. I looked at him. I said, no. I said, I love you more than my phone. And he goes, and he just started making this. He's got the cutest sad face. <laughs> you know, when they're that young, I mean, they really do make you feel horribly guilty. <laughs> I was so ashamed. So I put my phone down. I looked at him. I said, I said, son, you're my best friend. I love you. He said, no, I'm going to put down my phone. I'm not going to be around my phone. I'm going to look at you. Oh, he's been paying attention. He has been watching me because when I made that commitment to him, so now he'll like look at me and I have to be so cautious. I can't even sit with my phone. And a couple times, I'll be honest, a couple times I'm on my phone. He comes in the room and he looks at me 
and I feel the most horrible shock of shame. Like someone just electrocuted me. You know, like with like a taser gun. Like I got tasered by shame. And like I dropped. Like one time he walked in. I'm like ah! And I threw my phone up. He like I scared him. He like looked at me. I'm like oh nothing. And today I'm driving. You know I'm at a stoplight like any good American does. I check my phone at a stoplight. Not while I'm driving. But at the stoplight. And I know this light. It's a long light. My phone was jumping in my pocket. I look. And I look over my shoulder and he looked at me and I put my phone down right on the thing next to me. I said, I love you. You're my best friend. I'm not looking at my phone. And he looked at me and he goes, okay. <laughs> like kind of like, okay, we'll see. It's this thing now where it's like he is paying attention to me. He was already watching me. Now I made the commitment. He wants to see if I follow through. If he's four years old doing this, what's it going to be like with our five-year-olds, our six-year-olds, well, our seven-year-olds? Here's the thing. My teenagers want to come in. They want to look at my screen time on my phone. Oh, yeah. They want to see how much time I'm on my phone. So when they're younger, they want to know that you're paying attention to them. And when they're older, they want to see if you're being a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know. Apple. It's And all it's the phones, rough. putting all the analytics out. I thought that was the best thing until it backfired. <laughs> That's what you talked about in the seminar, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate you being honest about that you know i know that you actually have a couple of phones and yeah. the the thing that's not because i want them by the way not because i'm some sort of celebrity <laughs> the thing that's tough is that you get texts and messages that can be to be honest that can be life-threatening and me anxiety right and so i know how i mean you guys the stuff that is coming in on our phones is important. It's not like it doesn't matter. And and even when you have a good excuse, right? Right. And so, you know, it's about boundaries. And when you're there, being there. You know, when when you, you do have time to give them your full attention, that you're giving them the full attention, not trying to do half and half. Because nobody likes half and half. You know, a little suggestion for you out there in intimate relationships, partner, spouses, boyfriend, girlfriends, what Whatever uh, the your uh, your social media status says, if you're fully committed or whatever, if you have kids, yours kids, their kids, you know his, hers, and I, mine, you know, like regardless what type of kids you have in your household, if you feel that your your partner, spouse, whatever, is not being conscious of the eyes that are on them, do not go up to them and tell them get off your phone and attack them like that. Because I can tell you, if my wife was sitting right there and she had said that to me at that moment, it would have felt like she stabbed me in the balls. Metaphorically, of course. <laughs> it oh. ju- I, I didn't know any other way to say it. I apologize again. See, I told you this was like a PG-13 version of our podcast. Point is, I would have felt, I already felt horrible. But to insult someone or to attack, not even attack them, not even insult, just to say something like that when someone's already feeling bad it's going to cause problems in your relationship. So here's the suggestion. Because like Heidi was saying, even for someone like me, I can sit here and justify it all day long. I have important texts. I have this. I have that. And I have a good reason to check my phone. And my kids don't know that. They have no idea what I do for a living. They have no idea what any of you do for a living. You don't have to like be a counselor because there's lots of other really important jobs that are life-threatening or maybe not life-threatening, but... Maybe you're you're a loan officer and the loan didn't close and people, their whole dream house is about to fall through and they're freaking out, blowing you up. You can't just be like, hey, kids, Sue, Sue, what's happening? I know you're only five, but when people don't get the house that they want, they freak out and they're blaming me. And then we don't make money. And guess what? We have to give away our house and we can't live in it anymore. <laughs> they don't get that and they don't care. All they care is where your eyes at. The studies have shown our eyes are on our phone. Our analytics on our phone are showing our eyes are on our phone. And if they're not on our phone, they are in competition with our phone and they have no idea how to win that competition. They just don't know. It just seems like, think about if there's a camera following you around, how many times you're staring at your phone or in the direction of your phone, whether it's a good cause or not, versus how many times you stare at your kid. I would like to know because I hate to admit it, I'm probably staring at my phone there's more seconds of my day staring at my phone than my children. And that is the last thing that I want. I don't want to be a slave to my phone. I don't want to be a person that at the end of the day, my eyes are hurting because I'm looking at my phone. Regardless if I have a good reason to do it, 
And I don't have necessarily a great solution, but I can tell you what, making a very conscious effort to make time with them and you initiate the time spending with them, that's going to help the relationship. See, so often is when we're on our phones, our kids come to us, like you said, with your teenagers or younger kids. And since they're coming to us, they feel like they have to elicit our attention. If we put our phones down in times that we're together with them, that can be one very helpful thing to do. But if we actually go out of our way to make time to spend time with them, schedule it, even leave an announcement or not announcement, but schedule an appointment with Siri and say, hey, Siri, 3.30, tell my kid, I want to hang out with you for 15 minutes. Whether they can or not, if you're listening the attention, you're actually going to them saying, I want to spend time with you. You get to pick what we're going to do. Even if it's a video game that you don't want to play, something you're not interested in, let them control the narrative and let them go first, but you have to initiate it with them. That is a counterbalance. It's basically the opposite of your eyes on your phone is your eyes on them and you're wanting to prove to them that not only are you looking at them, you want to be talking and spending time with them. Now, with the whole spouse or partner thing, that's very important too. More people fight about that thing because here's what it is. As a mom, if if you're, and this could be your kids, if you're in a, in a blended family, like the kids you have together, or this is your child and you're, you know, you're the stepdad or stepmom isn't paying attention to them the way you want them to. If you get mad at your spouse or partner for being on your phone and not giving attention to your child at that particular moment, it has a dual meaning. One, you're mad at them for doing that. But two, you also carry your own shame because we felt that our same ways. We're worried in a similar fashion that we might be doing that. We're not narking ourselves out as often as we're going to nark out our partners, but there's a subconscious thing saying, I know I'm on my phone too much, or I know I'm working too much. It may not be phone. It could be your job, your work. If you're spending time away from your kids, like most people do, if you're on your phone, it still represents the same thing. You're not focused on them. So if you criticize your partner or your spouse about them not listening or paying attention to your kid at that moment, it's not just criticizing them. You're actually criticizing yourself a lot. It's just coming out towards them. So they feel a double shameful emotion and feeling from it. So instead of going to your partner and saying, hey, listen, get off your phone or why are you on your phone too much? Go to them and say, listen, I have to do better at this or this is something that I'm struggling with too. I know you didn't mean to do this. Use a little prepaid gratitude. I know that you spend tons of time with our kids. I know your intentions always do this. I was just watching and it seemed like they're getting a little bummed out because you're looking at your phone. You're doing your work. I get it, but it just looked bad. So I just want to be the person to give you a little hint. If you're a partner with your partner and telling them, hey, I'm noticing this, you're not criticizing them. You're helping them. You're an ally, not an enemy. And as I started thinking about this when I was on the news the other day, I started to recollect how many conversations parents in passing have tell me how many fights they've been getting because one person is critical of the other person. Well, someone's critical of you being on your phone all the time and you're not paying attention to your kids. What do you think you're going to do in your defense or in retaliation? You're going to be watching for any time that they do the same thing. So you do it too. And then it becomes a let's keep track of who does it more and it never works out. You're always going to think that the other person is doing it more and guess what's happening in the meantime? Your kids aren't getting your attention still, and now they're getting a lot of negative energy and vibes from both of their parents, partners, or whatever your situation is. Strongly suggest you take a self-assessment, and then you approach your loved ones in giving them information that you're noticing this and acknowledging that you have to work on this too. Thoughts, Heidi? Well, I'm just, I'm right there with you. And I think this is something that we we've chatted about and it's something that I've made an effort to do um with with my kids just on this and and what I mean is letting them know hey I would like to spend some time just with you are you available later on like around three or you know I kind of give them a time frame first of all they're totally surprised that I've even that I'm like trying to schedule something with them. And I said, you know, I said to my youngest, I said, yeah, I just want just you and me. What would you want to do? And, and he just wanted me to drive him down to the gas station and get some Pringles and 
he wanted to share the Pringles with me. You know, like these aren't big things. They just make big impact. And, you know, when you kind of brought that up to me and, and the thing that hits me and I don't know why this is, but I learned so much when I think about the opposite of something. And you did it just then when you said the opposite of being on your phone is actually putting your eyes directly on your child and interacting with your child. That is how we, and I don't want to say repay it or fix it. I think that's how we offset it. You know, it's the teeter-totter thing. It's the balance thing. And, and so when you explain that to me, the, the opposite of being on your phone is actually being with your kid, it just really helped me come up with a solution that wasn't really that hard to put into practice. And, you know, I think my kids do respect the fact that I do a lot of business and a lot of work stuff on my phone. And my kids are pretty engaged. They are aware of what I do for work, and they are a part of it, really. They, they know about it. And um, so they're not really criticizing me for doing my work. The hypocrite thing is an issue. They want to know, like, how many hours of screen time do you have? And they, they're not going to let me get away with that. Um, but even, like, it doesn't even have to be a little kid. Like, older, older kids want your attention just, just as much. And um, that little thing, and I've only, you know, I haven't been doing it for very long, but I noticed it made a big impact, a real impact. And it was, it created connection. And one thing I want to add to that, too, is we're usually frustrated with ourselves when our kids catch us on our phone or they call us out on it. Our reaction can seem like we're upset, and that can easily be misunderstood that we're upset with them. And I noticed that with my son, like when I went, ah, and I freaked out, and I like threw the phone up in the air because I'm like, God, I was working so hard. I mean, I went on the news and confessed this. I'm like, okay, now, <laughs> now I better not screw it up. Even if no one's watching, my own conscience is like, come on, Dave, you better, you better step up your game. But I get lost in the sauce. I'm sitting there trying to text this, do that. Do, do, do. Next thing you know, he runs in the room like, ah. My reaction scared him. And last thing, last thing I want is for my kid or either of my kids to think that by them wanting my attention, that my reaction is like, ah. Oh, Oh, jeez. And for them wanting to spend time with me, if they have to ask me to spend time with me, I'm feeling disappointed and let down on myself that I'm not making time to spend with them. And my reaction looks like I don't want to spend time with them. They don't know that I feel like I'm a bad parent. That's why for me to initiate it and to schedule, to make time just to spend time with them, there's no misinterpretation what I'm trying to do. I'm making them a priority. I'm putting them first on my radar, and then I'm going to them and saying, this is what I want. I'm stating my intention. There's no way that they can misinterpret that. But if they come to me and they're constantly getting, no, 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 I can't right now, 15 more minutes. Because a lot of times your kids are going to come want your attention at very, not the best times, right? <laughs> it's just not the best times. And you could be already stressed out. Unfortunately, my daughter, she said similar things to me before too. She's like, dad, I... I just want you to play animals with me. I just want you to shoot baskets with me. And I'm like, my reaction is not saying that I want to spend time with her. My reaction is saying that I'm frustrated that she's even asking. Please don't bug me. Yeah. So it's kind of a big deal. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So let's uh, go and rattle off uh, a few questions before we uh, end it for today. And as... In the spirit of our last podcast, I'm going to try to get these within, you know, the 60 to 120 seconds so we can get through these and give you guys some little bite-sized suggestions for your questions. Okay. So I'm pulling these up. As we mentioned last time, we wound up with this really long list of um, questions that people submitted to us. They're completely anonymous. And I'm okay. I'm trying to find the one that we were talking about. Okay, so there's just three questions that we're actually going to throw out at David. 
And um, he's going to give us short, concise, directly to the point answers. So here we go. Number one, how should you deal with people always judging you? Stab their balls. <laughs> just see if you're paying attention, Eddie. Just see if you're paying you guys, attention. Just buckle up. It's just, yeah, just gonna... you know, they're, they're basketballs, soccer balls, footballs, you know, just stuff like that. Nothing to actually harm them. Okay, go ahead. Say the question again. I'm sorry. I'm just waiting to tell. I'm just waiting to make a joke. I wasn't even paying attention at all. That was so rude. Okay. How should you deal with people always judging you? Okay. So judgment is criticism. Ju making judgments on people, not bad. Sometimes we have to judge if a person is a person we want to be around. But what they're talking about is if someone's criticizing you, like if someone's like making a harsh criticism, aka judgment against you that you're probably thinking is unfair. That's basically what this person is asking. It'd be easy for me to tell you, just have self-confidence. Just tell yourself that what they say doesn't matter. No, I actually think you should have some sort of self-reflection for a second, even if it's just to dismiss something ridiculous. So for example, if someone's telling you, like let's say hypothetically, it's a critical mother, father, or in-laws, and they're critical of your parenting, hence the reason why you're listening to Life to Fight podcast. So they're critical of your parenting, and you're frustrated that they're critical with your parenting. Instead of just being like, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, Take their criticism like this. Let's say you're not um, handling your uh, teenage daughter's discipline right. Well, you know, it's true. I may have made a lot of mistakes with my teenage daughter. By the way, this is something you could say to yourself. You don't actually have to say this to this person. You can just say, it's true. And I always start with this very first one by starting up, it's true. A lot of times our brain needs a couple words just to kick off the, the response. So you say, it's true. Uh, I have made some mistakes. It's true. I might not be handling this with my daughter. And it is also true that it frustrates me and upsets me that you're being critical of me right now and it hurts my feelings. However, the reality of it is I'm getting better, not getting worse. And I'll take your criticism as just a reminder that, you know, I need to continually be working on my parenting so that I am not so insecure and don't take people's criticism to actually make me feel like I'm a bad parent. It's called face and replace. We've talked about in other podcasts. Facing the criticism, too often we try to dismiss the criticism and say, well, it's stupid, they're being mean. Or we just try to say, you know what? Why would they say that about me? And you would try to make sense of a ridiculous judgment against us. Or a judgment that may be partially true, but we want to defend it and say, well, if they knew the whole story, no, quit the nonsense, quit sitting there trying to debate in your mind whether it's true or not. Just so, yeah, it's true because it's true in feeling, not necessarily in reality. And if there is some truth in reality, if you are being a bad parent and let's say you did actually stab balls and you're you know, <laughs> using Heidi's example and your in-laws rightfully so saying, that was horrible. Why'd you stab the balls? You're showing violence to your kids. You say, it's true. I could have handled that a hundred different ways better. I feel horrible. I don't like what I did. And I owe them an apology. I have to go do something about it. Now I got to make up for it. That's what I say to that. Face the criticism or the judgment, replace it with some simple truths, and then take action and do something better. And sometimes the action would be, all right, note to self, I'm not going to ask that person for their advice anymore. Yeah. That requires some maturity. Well, and for, some practice too. Yeah. So that's good advice. We have talked about that before on the on the podcast. Okay. Next question. I have a friend from school who is struggling with acceptance in her family. She's going through a hard time. She's gay. She feels like it's unsafe to talk to her family about it. I try to have conversations with her and see if she wants to talk about anything, but she won't open up to me. I'm worried. I'm worried about her safety. I'm worried about what's best for her. What should I do? Now, a couple of disclaimers I'm going to say right now. I'm going to answer this question that this person is not actually suicidal. And the person who's giving us the question is just stating she's worried about her safety in a, in a big perspective. Because if she said, hey, she's suicidal and what do I do? That would be a different response. Um, so nowadays, I come across a lot. When I say I come across, I've 
helped a lot of people that identify with the L being in the LGBTQ community. And some people are going to be very understanding, accepting, and it makes sense to them. Usually because they've had loving relationships, whether it be friendships, people in their family that they care about that are in the LGBTQ community. So they can understand that these are good people or that this is a person, this is not a problem. So my suggestion for this situation, now granted, there's other suggestions, another disclaimer, I'm not saying this is the only way to handle this, but this is something that works as a very introductory way to handle this. I always have people that are struggling to feel like they can talk to their parents or certain people in their life that they are gay, lesbian, transgender, what have you. Um, I have them find out who are potential allies and trusted people in their life that they could start talking to. Allies are very important in anything that you do because an ally is someone that not only has your best interest, but maybe an ally could simply be someone who's less judgmental and critical and you could have conversations and figure out and sort through some of your own thoughts and feelings. Young people specifically that have not had a lot of experience talking about their sexual orientation, talking about how they feel and, and all their different experiences they're having, whether being bullied or whether they want to come out and talk about this publicly. When you have some people to practice these conversations with that are trusted people in your life, an uncle, an aunt, a close family friend, you can get some wins. I never suggest that a young person or an older person starts by trying to bring someone over to their understanding that has to travel hundreds of miles in their own life just to have the smallest glimpse because you'll get weird facial expressions. What I mean by this, I never have a young person say, if they come to me say, my parents have made um, you know, uh, gay comments or racist comments that I feel like they're very ignorant and they wouldn't be accepting of me if I were to open up to them. I'm not going to say, oh, well, they'll love you anyways. Just go and try to talk to them first. No, no, no. I would not say that. But if you go and talk to an ally, find your allies, those people can eventually, in some cases, have those conversations with your parents, with other people who you're scared to talk to. They can be the bridge that helps you make those connections. And if nothing else, they're going to give you support and they're going to give you practice, or as I call it, going to get reps in talking about how you think, how you feel. So you get to pick and choose the right words to express where you're at, who you are, and what you're feeling. So just for fun, let's imagine that <clears throat> the person that asked this question wants to show somebody that they are an ally. What, what could that conversation sound like? Hey, I know you don't feel comfortable talking to your parents because of all these things you said, but you can talk to me. Talking to them, yeah. You feel like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you do talk to them, it could go bad. If you don't talk to them, you feel like you're living a lie and you're trapped inside. But you have someone that you can practice talking to in me. I could potentially, not right now per se, because some people don't necessarily want you to run and talk to your parents. I just had a conversation very recently about it with a young person that wants to talk to their parents but doesn't want to do it tomorrow wants to build up to it. So we made an agreement that we're going to start talking about this on a week-to-week -week basis. This person's not unsafe or anything. And just take it one step at a time. So encourage that person to practice with you and with other people with making those types of statements. And give them the guaranteed relief that they're going to feel. It's like, yeah, you may not have everybody on your side, but you got me on your side. That's right. That, and that's excellent advice. I think that, that establishing... And, and they might not be ready to talk to you today, and it might not be tomorrow. And you might have to remind them once or twice, I'm here for you. Um, Whenever you're to... ready, I'd be, ha I'd be honored if you trusted me. Hey, if you don't want to talk to me about this, I get it. But when you do want to talk and you did feel comfortable to talk to me, I'd be honored. If it's not talking to me, maybe I could introduce you to someone. You know, here um, uh, in Circle is a great resource for young people to go hang out in Circle. You check them out in circle.org. They are a family resource in the communities. They have these homes where young LGBT, sorry, excuse me, young LGBTQ community, gosh, I keep on hiccuping and burping, sorry. Uh, they can go and hang out, talk, not just talk with therapists and professionals, just with their peers. 
They have art classes. I mean, they have so much cool stuff going on there. My friend Stephanie runs the organization. Great place. There are resources. So if they don't feel comfortable talking to you, you might be able to help them find resources. Awesome. All right. The last question that we want to address, um, and I'm going to kind of combine several questions that come in um, that we got that night at the event, but also that we get a lot of times um, via DMs. And people are always, there's a lot of questions that kind of go something like this. We have tried multiple counselors. How do we find a counselor that we can connect with? Um, so I personally know what a challenge it is to try to find somebody to, um, to take your kids to, because it's already hard to get your kids to go. So a couple concise thoughts. Um, first of all, apologies, because we have failed as mental health professionals, that is including me, in providing easily accessible resources. Now, I'm not saying if you're a mental health professional out there, say, well, there's this, there's that. Okay. It's not the same as the medical system. The it's medical hard. It's system. harder, for much, sure. Much, much harder. It's not a direct, you Google this, you get this person, because this is about a relationship. You can find a general practitioner, and the general practitioner has to be licensed and you don't really need them to be your best friend. You don't need them to be a trusted confidant. All those things can help. They can freeze off your but wart. But a lot of people, exactly, a lot of like people them. can freeze off a wart and pull, you know, and do a root canal. All those people I'm not saying that's easy. Point is, this is a different thing. Specifically with young people, you may not have a lot of chances, like Heidi said, to bring them, okay, let's shop around each week. Let's try a different therapist. That usually doesn't work. So apology, but we are working on it through my nonprofit organization. We're trying to gather a list right now, at least in our area, of those best resources for youth. Having said that, your insurance. If you have insurance, you can call your insurance company. Your insurance company, if you tell them what your qualifications are, what you're looking for, a lot of times the insurances that I take, they will call me and say, hey, there's a person in your area that has this requirement and this need. Would you be able to see them? Is this something that you can do? They want to set up an appointment on this particular time. They're open and available these specific dates. That's a great opportunity. If you don't have insurance, then you are going to have to do a lot of due diligence, which is some research. Some people can trust their, men, their medical professional with that advice. If you have a long relationship with your medical professional, some people, it's it's a little discouraging that they have to make an appointment to go see a metal, medical professional to get that. This is where you have to turn to the internet, youth services, youth counselors at your own high school. In today's day and world, there's so many problems that youth are struggling with. If you have a high school that has any, 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 any desire to make youth's lives better, they should have at least a handful of resources and even if those resources aren't a direct therapist name, those resources should have a therapist name. Plan on having realistic expectations is what I tell people. This is not one hoop. Very few people make one phone call and strike gold. You're going to have to be assertive. You're going to have to make two, three, four, five calls sometimes. Be prepared to be disappointed in the get-go. A lot of the deterrent comes from people try one thing it seems like it's a dead end and they say, you know, this is too difficult because they're caught up so much with the frustration with their kid and their situation. They easily get derailed from one thing that didn't go their way. Keep going. Do not stop looking for the resources in your community, in your area. They're there and you may have to call a bunch of different clinics. Some clinics, if you feel like they're pushing you off and say, oh, well, you know, we have this person, but they're too full because they really do good work with teens, but we have this other person and they're okay. Like what's that? The Geico commercial. <laughs> Don't say, okay, I'm desperate. No, say, what do you mean they're okay? Like if it's a front desk lady, this one uh, person that talked to, um, I was working at a clinic a long time ago. She asked, who's the best person there? And they said, well, you know, we have this person. They're okay. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, who's the best person? She was supposed to give this person the next call for a teen therapist to another therapist because the agency wanted everybody to be happy. And the front desk lady said, listen, you want to know who the best person is? She goes, yes, I want to know who the best person is. She goes, in my opinion, just, she said it was David. She goes, why don't you tell me in the beginning? Well, because he's been getting too many referrals lately. And the person came, first thing they told me, what, what kind of shop you guys run in here? Like you have to like balance out the, I want the best person for my kid. Unfortunately, that's how business goes sometimes. 
was anything personal towards her. So be resilient. Well, not resilient. Be assertive and make sure you have realistic expectations that this might be a difficult search for you, but there is therapists out there. You have to look. I want to add to this conversation just a little bit. You should. Um, It takes a little bit of vulnerability for this particular suggestion, but you have groups of friends, you have coworkers, there's people that you know. You don't have to like out your kid and throw your kid under the bus by saying... You say, so you got this friend or a neighbor, right? right? Wink, wink. Do any of you know of any or do any of you have experience or do you know of, of anybody that you would recommend? Word of mouth is, we all know it's the very best referral. And um, I, I've done a, a couple different things. Um, when, when we did find David, um, I was at the salon. I was at the hair salon. And I was, I mean, I was throwing my kid under the bus, to be completely honest. Like, I was at my wit's end, and I was asking This everybody. is the same person who stabbed the walls? <clears throat> this is it. I know. Dang it. Um, with no filter, I think you've also mentioned. Um, you guys, in that moment, the entire salon was in this conversation. These are not people that I had relationships with. I knew my, my hairstylist. You give a damn it busted. Every- you didn't care at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Um, <laughs> I give a damn bust all the time. Oh my gosh. But yeah. anyway, um, everybody in the salon was talking at that point. And that's when I got the referral that I needed. Um, I think asking around. The second thing I'm going to add is that I was trying to get some referrals that I could share. And so I started asking around people that I knew had um, found somebody or their kids were seeing something. And I even asked the kids, what do you think of this person that you're seeing? Um, these were kids that were friends with my kids. I got some of the best referrals by asking kids who they liked and what they liked about them. And then step number three, I actually text or phoned these therapists and said, I would like to just have a quick phone interview with you. Um, <clears throat> I have never had anybody say no. I won't do that. And so having that little phone interview where I had a couple questions and I just kind of said, you know, what is your, what do you specialize in? How do you feel about this? You know, this is my situation. Do you feel like you're a fit? I have learned a lot by just having those conversations. And so don't be afraid to do a little bit of due diligence too when you get a phone number. Call. Have a phone conversation. Those people don't want to waste your time just as much as you don't want to waste their time or whatever. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of my two cents. I'm so glad you brought that up because right when you started talking, I'm like, I forgot the most. That's how everyone's ever found me. I've never advertised and that's how you found me. So I'm very glad that you brought that up because part of it is just my own frustration. That's why I'm like, I apologize first off that I don't have any good answers for it. But you're right. It does take that vulnerability because that's how people find me. They'll be saying, hey, no, I got this issue. And then someone says, well, well, me and my family, we had to go see this therapist. It turned out really good. And it's not just for me. I'm sure that's, you know, like you said, that's our best referrals coming from someone's personal experience and asking the young people is really great. This one mother, she said she was waiting to see me one time and uh, she sat there and she was a mother much like you, Heidi, where it's not that she didn't have a filter. She just chose not to ever turn it on. And (laughs) And we're not sure which it is for me. So I was talking to the parent and the teenager was in the lobby and she looked and she goes, Hey, do you like him? And the teenager's like, what? And this teenager was like one of those like kind of gruff looking teenagers. Like, do you like him? Like, we're here to see Dave. We've never met with him. And when I came out, they were laughing and joking. And this teenager didn't talk to anyone. The mom was just like, yeah, I told her. I just asked her straight up, you know, do you like David? And she was like, I love David. She's like, she thought the teenager was pissed off. Well, she was. Had nothing to do with me. The mom and her were in a tiff at the moment. Point is, ask the kids, right? They got no reason to lie. They don't have they don't have a dog in the fight. They don't have invested. They don't like, you know, the counselor. They may tell you, or if they think the counselor is, is okay, they'll tell you, no, 
they're okay. It's just maybe it's just them at that moment. Yeah. Great so, advice, Heidi. You guys, it's it's hard, but um, but there are people out there. There are resources, and so don't just throw up your hands. Um, keep keep making that effort. Yeah, that's very important. And I know we took a lot longer at that last one, but the first ones were quicker. The last one, it was worth going a little bit deeper in. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> as always, I just I really appreciate you guys being uh, loving me, even though um, I'm not perfect. <laughs> And um, being patient with me, even though I stab the balls. Well, since we're on that track, thank you for listening to Light the Fight, even though I'm full of crap. Because <laughs> that's what I said on Saturday. <laughs> I said, I don't know if I'm full of crap. I probably am. I wouldn't blame if you got up and left. I said something like that. So thank you for sticking around, even though we are definitely fl- 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 flawed. And uh, as Heidi always says, take us out. Thank you for helping us to light the fight. money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.